right, welcome back to the intersection, sponsored by the Sports and Society Initiative at Ohio State. I'm your host, Kevin Lapka, here today with two special guests. I'm with Brandon Smith, esports director at Ohio State, and Matt Speedle, program coordinator for esports at Ohio State. How's it going, guys? How you doing? Doing well. And this oh, is good. Brandon. I'll I'll correct you. It's Matt Spidel, by the Spidel. way. Spidel. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's all good. It's uh, it's close enough, but yeah. Um, so look, you know, COVID-19, obviously the talk of the town, everyone's talking about it. And, you know, specifically here, we're talking about the intersection between sports and society and, you know, no other, no other bigger intersection than COVID-19 and what it's done to sports. It's eliminated all sports that are out there, right? It's wiped out sports, not just in America, all over the world. And, you know, the main media companies, ESPN, Bleacher Report, you know, the major sports organizations, NFL, NBA, you know, all of these people, they don't know what to do. They don't know what to broadcast. They don't know how to provide entertainment. But, you know, one thing that's keeping them afloat is esports. And that's what we're here to talk about. We're going to talk about a lot of aspects of that and what people have been doing. But first, you know, just to ask you guys freshly, I mean, this COVID-19 impact has people living at home. They have time to watch Twitch. They have time to play video games. And right now, esports is being talked about more than a lot of times before. So what do you think is really the grand impact uh, of COVID-19 on esports? I mean, everybody, every area of our society has been affected by COVID-19. So esports is not completely immune in any way, shape, or form, right? It, well, esports does count on in-person championships. Those are some of the things that we were planning for our students, right? What happens with the finals? So there's absolutely an excitement with people being together and fan noise and cheering that doesn't come through the same way on Twitch or YouTube gaming or any kind of live stream. But uh, to your point, right, esports endeavors, we can continue on uh, the teams that were formed, the relationships that were formed before COVID-19, those same people can connect and practice and scrimmage and strategize and compete from their own homes. Uh, and and that, can, that, that continues on and that can also be streamed in ways that um, live and traditional athletics can't be done. Matt, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think that esports definitely uh, is thriving in this environment, unlike traditional sports and the fact that, you know, a lot of gamers are still at home now. Now they have even more time for some people to be able to dedicate towards harnessing their craft. And especially with the release of certain games with Valorant coming out uh, as a big title release during this COVID-19 uh, crisis almost, and all the other games that are putting out game updates. I think that this is a great time if you are a gamer that no matter what game you play, no matter what kind of platform you play on, everybody's pushing out content. Everybody's putting out updates. So there's something new for you to try, whether you're an esports player that, that loves a first person shooter or you're a role playing game person that is playing the Final Fantasy VII remake that just came out. There's so many new games that are coming out, so many things to really fill that new time that a lot of people have these days that it's really sweet to see this gaming community grow and everyone at the same time be able to talk about it and enjoy it. Right. Brandon, you mentioned, you know, some esports events getting canceled at Ohio State. What specific events, championships uh, were, had to get canceled or postponed due to COVID-19? Well, and, yeah, and it's, it's not so much having to be canceled or postponed. It's just the fact that they move, they move online, right? So um, at Ohio State, it's just a small impact of there isn't an in-person finals for playing against some of our other Ohio schools those finals are moving starting this weekend. Those finals are moving online uh, for competition. Um, it, you look at the pro esports scene. There's there's been impacts, right? Those are um, the Overwatch League and Call of Duty. Those are counting on 
competitions that actually happen in the home cities. And so there's travel involved, there's media production. So those industries are, are impacted, but uh, the esports organizations have pivoted and now those things are going to happen online as well. Um, so again, it's, it, you know, esports as a, as an industry doesn't escape the impacts, but absolutely can provide similar entertainment value. If I'm still, if I'm still going to watch that streaming match, that's still available to me and I can still watch some of my, my fan favorites uh, compete um, and not be as negatively impacted as no live sports. Right. And it, the way I see it right now is, you know, what ESPN has done, they've broadcasted NBA 2K20. Bleacher Report has broadcasted Madden, a lot of sports games. And even I think a week ago, ESPN was broadcasting Rocket League, um, which is gaining a lot of pop- popularity among, you know, just not the game community, but everybody. But what the way I see it is, you know, this is a great opportunity for, you know, not just the program at Ohio State, but, you know, other competitive esports programs, because now people can see that they have the time to play. They can get better at their crafts and they could possibly join, you know, some of the teams and some of the organizations that are going on. So do you see that as an opportunity um, that this COVID-19 situation can bring light to the gaming community and have more people join uh, what is going on at Ohio State? Absolutely. I think our community at Ohio State can grow. And I want to make sure that it's clear, like we have, well, we have some heavy duty gamers, right? The Buckeye Gaming Collective as an organization or the students who are forming teams or one of the the anchor pros in NHL 19 happens to be a graduating senior from Ohio State right now who won championships. We have some individuals who are top-notch competitors. The biggest opportunities I see are is that people who are casual gamers can continue to keep the relationships they started while they were on campus. They can find new friends online while they're gaming. And then there's a percentage of them that, to your point, right, I can play more. I'm realizing I have a chance for the next round of open tryouts for Ohio State. And so we may see even more people on the intercollegiate approach. Matt, do you see those same, same things possibly happening? For sure. I think that I think this is an opportunity now for people to to maybe spend a little bit more time on those games that they had fun with, as well as the, the relationships that we saw building whenever we were in person, whenever we had the arena open on campus. Uh, it was just awesome seeing groups of people kind of come in together and I think that almost every group uh, on campus has done the best they can to kind of continue offering the same resources that they can as remotely as they possibly can. So I think that esports and gaming as a whole is one of those uniting factors that you've never had to be in person to begin with. So it's not like we have to create some sort of new system to be able to connect these players. They've always been able to play together. It's just that now everybody is looking at that as the only way maybe to connect with some of their friends that I think there's a lot of people that are probably maybe dusting off their old consoles that are maybe finding a way to upgrade their computer a little bit so they can actually play with their friends because that's one of the few things that they can do right now from home safely while still enjoying the company of their friends. Right. With the whole social distancing thing, people are dying for social interaction. And that's why, you know, you put on a headset and you play a game and, you know, right there online, you have interaction with X amount of people. At Ohio State, though, what games are being offered in, in competitively, just recreationally? What, tell me what the scene is like um, with you guys in the certain games that are being offered. So right now we have uh, three premier teams that, that we offer. Those are our school-sponsored teams. Uh, they compete in Overwatch, Rocket League, and League of Legends. Um, those are the three main games that we support that we are supporting uh, for this previous year uh, and likely into the next academic year as well. Um, there's also the student orgs as Brandon touched on a little bit that offer essentially if there's enough students that are interested in putting together a team and representing the club, uh, against other schools, they're more than 
able to do that. Those titles basically span everything from the NBA 2Ks, the Maddens of the world, to things like Counter-Strike, Rainbow Six Siege, basically any game that is out there that has any sort of tournament. Uh, you can put together a club team or just a group of friends to play with. But on the university side, I mean, we're seeing a lot of people that were in those, uh, those open tryouts that Brandon touched on still kind of staying connected, finding ways to still practice or, or play together for fun. And they've used our, our platform where we sort of brought everyone together to do those tryouts to find other people to play games together and say, hey, I know that, you know, maybe we're not, maybe we didn't make the premier team this time, but hey, we've now have an extra 20 hours to grind. Let's, let's hop on. I know that I enjoyed playing with you from tryouts before. Let's put in some more work and let's see if we can make the team next year. So it's great to see people kind of coming back to it and people using the platform. We didn't even expect them really to be using that way and seeing them put together some teams and have some fun, uh, friendly competition. And we're still learning a lot in our program about how how big the community is. Not just one community; it's a it's a massive super community with a bunch of micro communities, right? So it's if I like uh, you know if I like League of Legends, I may not be into NBA 2K or vice versa. So we have lots of different communities that have physically connected through our space before we left. But um, we're looking for the even more opportunities to say because we've seen a lot of this happen. Uh, around the time some action was happening around Fortnite, like I'm looking for a duo. Like I'm, they're looking for people to connect with on campus they haven't mm -hmm. seen before, and um, those are still some opportunities out there for us as a university to keep providing opportunities for communities to connect with each other. Um, it it was happening and it continues to happen through the student organizations, but um, we have a platform at Ohio State where we should be able to do even more of that. You might imagine we're such a big university. There's somebody into every game. Yeah. <laughs> There's absolutely somebody in every game. What's Matt? What's the the Wacom tablet game that? Uh, Osu. Osu, there it is. Because it, it's OSU, that's why. Um, <laughs> we we have a, an Osu community. There's there's people playing everything, and uh, it's just amazing to see them when they come in. We've got consoles in the esports arena, and people who have gaming consoles in their own residence hall rooms, their own apartments, will come into the arena to play. One because it's a comfortable space. Two because they can be around other people while they're doing it. And can anyone just come and play in the arena? How, how does that work? Do you have to have a sign up? You know, is it an open space? What's that like? It's, it's an open space. It's open play. Our, our intent from the beginning was to make this available to every enrolled student at Ohio State and not charge you anything additional. So um, we have about 60 plus gaming PCs. Uh, we have multiple iterations of Xbox and PlayStation and Nintendo Switch, uh, a pro level VR headset. Uh, with a lot of Beat Saber being played as well as uh, Super Hot, um, so those are things that we have available to all of our students, and it's uh, they can play as they come. So I want to go back to that conversation about you know I mentioned earlier ESPN uh, doing the 2K thing. Bleacher Report did a Madden, uh, like they called it the BR Goat Sim, where they did the simulations of you know the best all-time teams. And you know when I first saw that come out, I didn't have high hopes for it. I thought you know people might catch on to it people might engage in it but not at as high of extent as it was i mean at one point they had uh, i think in the championship of the br go team had forty thousand people on twitch watching which is a fairly high number and you know i see growth but from an actual standpoint of broadcasting on national television you know we saw we've seen rocket league have that before you know espn2 and there's even an esports channel on espn but do you think that you know them testing out broadcasting esports provides opportunity where in the future they say we may do this more often where every once in a while we can broadcast esports live on television 
No, absolutely. There's opportunity there. I mean, even prior to this pandemic, uh, there were already trials from ESPN, the Disney franchises doing Overwatch on Saturday afternoons, right? ESPN or an ABC broadcast. And these are trials right now or had been. Um, but we're looking at a potentially a shifting demographic, especially as we talk about our collegiate students, right? What are they watching? We're Ohio State. We've got the Buckeyes, but there are fewer tickets being sold to some of our newer classes. And, you know, so there's still an enthusiasm there. There's still participation in watching on television, but uh, some of the entertainment preferences is absolutely shifting as generations change. So I think that the, the networks and traditional live TV or linear TV needs to be ready with a game plan and how do you address even more audiences if you're going to have someone watching um, and, and, and esports and gaming is there. I think for sure. I mean, you've seen the viewership records, I think of, if you compare like the, the championships of, uh, of all the sports uh, franchises, you know, NBA, NHL, all that, I think that esports and the League of Legends World Championships ranks third in the world for highest viewership, only behind, I believe, the Super Bowl and I think the World Cup, but I could be wrong about my numbers specifically. But esports viewership on its own, without being on television, has already superseded most traditional sports franchises and most sports championships. And I think that as you see, whenever ESPN dips their toe in this, you've already got groups like E-League and with Overwatch League broadcasting on television already, you're going to see as more people test, test this out, as more people dip their foot in the water and start to realize there's a lot of viewership potential here, you're going to see more shows, more, more opportunities for gaming-related television content coming out, whether it's something maybe more on demand on like a Netflix style or live sporting events and broadcasting of championships of any esport title. These are going to be very, very common things to see in the next five to 10 years as that younger generation becomes the primary audience on television. And the other way that I see it when you talk about the demographics is you, you have the gamers who are going to watch games no matter what, right? And that's why they're tuning into Twitch and they're tuning in to Mixer and they're watching those games and there will always be those people. But the reason why I think it's so important that esports to get televised nationally is for any random person who may not have a clue about esports to turn on their television and all of a sudden see live gaming opens it up to a whole new audience and that's why you know esports has been around for a little while. i mean league of legends rocket league these games that people like to watch you know on television i wonder what the obstacle has been and i want to know if you guys have any answers on why these types of games haven't you know seen much traction up until now i mean we are starting to see that traction but not to a high extent on some of these bigger, not necessarily just ESPN, but bigger level uh, TV platforms? What's been the obstacle? Uh, so personally, I feel like one of the biggest obstacles is just sort of explaining what you might be watching. Uh, some games are not very straightforward whenever you first watch them. You know, Overwatch can be very confusing to an average person scrolling through television. And that can be very difficult to watch. But what I find interesting is whenever Rocket League gets broadcasted every once in a while, unlike an ESPN, I have my mother or even my, my cousins or my aunts and uncles that are older and maybe are a little out of touch with gaming texting me and asking me, like, I think I just saw esports on TV. What's going on? And I'll jump over to the channel and they're watching Rocket League. And the funniest part is my mom will talk to me the next week whenever we're on call or something. And she'll be like, I actually really enjoyed it. It was really cool to watch. Like, I didn't really know how they were doing what they were doing, but 
I understood the basic concept, you know, it's soccer with remote control cars. Like it's a very easy fundamental thing to understand, but it's super fun. It's colorful. The the commentators make it really hype, make it really fun. And it's just awesome because my mother is the, my mother's never touched any sort of console in her life. She started learning gaming because I was working in this industry. So she doesn't know anything about this. She would never try to go find it on her own yet whenever you put it in front of people and whenever you give them a chance to maybe learn something about it, you realize it's kind of a universal thing of whenever you see two teams going against each other in any competition, you start to side with one. You find a team to root for, a group to cheer for, whether it's a home team that represents your city or maybe represents your country, or it's just, I like their logo and their logo's cool. You find that way to sort of get yourself invested in it. And especially in these times, I think, that's one of the most important things is find a way to rally behind something and find a conversation piece. I, I mean, I'd add to, to what Matt said, you know, in addition to the trying to figure out what's going on, you know, some of these games like Overwatch and League are both hyper complex for someone who's never seen them before. It's easier to understand three cars on a field hitting a big ball into a net. That's easier to catch than, and pick up one than, than a few other things. I mean, there's, there's technique to all of them. There's, some, there's a lot of technique to, to each and every one of those popular esports titles. But I think from a, from a broadcast perspective, you're going through, I mean, like you always have to follow the money, right? Is, this is a risk. This is a new demographic. And so can we monetize this the same way as we know, already know how to monetize football, collegiate and professional football? Uh, are the same advertisers there yet for these particular brands? Advertisers may be getting a better bang for their buck in online live streaming and maybe not pushing things to linear television because they know that their target demographic is only online. So I think there's a lot of things that have to shake out for pro esports and also for collegiate esports to understand what's what what becomes the stability point. Uh, where are there brands that are willing to support these efforts that can make these help these these programs be financially viable? And then the the outlet channels like who's streaming or showing these things or broadcasting them on on, on linear television. It, that's something that is it's going to take time to formulate and it'll it'll come through a few experiments so like where we started this this podcast now is the time that you're seeing a lot of this stuff tested out so as these numbers come back who's watching uh, what's that demographic look like what influence what impact does this have on sponsorship dollars I think those are all absolutely key metrics uh, because without if there's not recurring broadcast right revenue um, some of the some of the game publishers, who actually make the esports title and control what's done with their intellectual property, they might not even push for linear television unless they start to see broadcast rights coming back. Right. So this is a very imperative time because, like you mentioned, this is almost the trial. I mean, there's this is the time where you actually have enough open space and open scheduling where you can consistently have esports on TV. And again, they've been trying to do that. And I think the results that we get from that it might set the table for the future of esports. I mean, five years from now, where do you think we're going to be as far as esports, you know, not just broadcast and televised, but, you know, on Twitch, you know, what do you guys, let's say 2025, what is the future of esports going to look like? Uh, that, that is probably, it sounds like an easy question and it is probably <laughs> the most difficult thing ever because just comparing 2018 to what 2020 has been, removing COVID-19 completely from the conversation, vastly different answers and, and vastly different games that exist, different publishers that are big. I mean, three, four years ago, whenever I first started like following esports, Fortnite wasn't a thing. And now Fortnite is one of the largest grossing esport titles that exists. And so 
I think five years from now, we're going to see, uh, I think you're still going to see that online streaming platform kind of style of content is still probably going to be king purely because people are very resistant to change. And so you're not going to see the younger generation migrate back to the couch to watch their esports unless that's the only place they can watch their esports. So I think we'll, we'll see probably some more televised content come out, but I think that at the end of the day, online is where gaming started and online is where gaming will likely live for quite a while unless somebody big really steps in and says, you know, if ESPN bought Blizzard and said, all right, well, we own Overwatch now, we're going to run it all ourselves. Short of something like that happening, which would be major and awesome for esports, I think that we're going to see things will be similar to the way they are now with just maybe more and more content as more people kind of get into it through this uh, this interesting time. I think it's, I don't like that, right? It's hard to predict what happens by the the end of next calendar year of 2021, let alone yeah. what happens five years from now. And and again, it's this is such a, and again, you've, we've talked about it. There've been, there's been gaming, there's been Halo tournaments, there's been things for decades, right? But this is a different iteration. This is us, when people wanting to spectate more. This is advertising dollars and, Right now, all the dollars are in it around sponsorships and partnerships, um, except for the publishers who make you know game licensing fees. So a lot of that's really dependent upon what each game publisher chooses to do with their platform. And uh, some are heavily embracing esports and building games specifically for esports and commercialization of it, uh, even with some that are in beta right now. Um, it's... I think that there's what I'm really interested to see at the pro level is what happens with are there overarching franchises? My esports franchise has multiple esports teams, but they've got a back office and an infrastructure that can handle what's the next game. And we can bring online a team with this next game. We still have a brand, and this is what you see with a lot of the big pro esports franchises. It's 100 Thieves, it's Cloud9, it's Gen G. They've got multiple teams and multiple individuals and streamers all under that same umbrella that may be what the structure has to be to exist for esports in the future because you, you might lose a title somebody you know a company could fold and they no longer can support their esports title you have to be flexible enough to say but we've got these other teams that are also competing in these other venues right the future may be a little bit unknown but what we do know for sure is that it's growing right now and it's a great time for esports before we head out i want to ask you guys uh, just a personal question you know as you're quarantined and lockdown what games have you been playing Personally, to keep yourself busy, what you gaming on right now? You go first, because it's going to be longer for me than you. <laughs> I'm Mine is easier, because I'm the old guy who can't keep up with anything. So I'm just in the middle of Assassin's Creed right now, <laughs> tromping around Greece. Uh, that's about all I'm doing in ancient Greece. So and then I'll move on to Matt. Uh, big thing for me, I mean, as with most people right now, Valorant uh, just came out, is in beta right now, is where a lot of a lot of my friends are transitioning over to it. Uh, whether it's just so that way we can learn it so we can broadcast it or, or actually because it's fun to play. Uh, I'm having a great time with that. But, I mean, Rocket League is still a comfortable game to go back to. Counter-Strike has always been a home for me. So I'm really – I'm still enjoying all my games, and it's actually really fun. I've reconnected with some old friends playing things like Gary's Mod that is a game I haven't had downloaded for 10 years. And, you know, Minecraft as well, going back to it. So I'm, I'm touching every game you could possibly think of just because it, it's a way to reconnect with some old friends in a time where uh, you don't really get to see many people. And when you do, you only see half their face. So what are you playing, Kevin? Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm playing Rocket League. I play a little Fortnite. Um, those are my two top games. But I mean, it's, it's an exciting time for gamers because, you know, like Matt mentioned in the beginning, you know, 
the uh, the esports companies and the, or the gaming companies rather are coming out and saying, you know, obviously there's more people than ever playing our games. Let's release new updates. Let's release a new game like Valorant. I know Rocket League just released a new game mode to play called the Heat Seeker game mode. And I think as this whole quarantine lockdown thing goes on, they're going to see too much opportunity to pass up. And they're going to keep pushing out updates and keep finding creative ways to get uh, the audience engaged. So I think it's an exciting time uh, to be a gamer. I'm certainly having a good time playing with my friends and connecting with them. I mean, it's the top way that I stay connected to my friends. So, and I know you guys feel the same. Um, but I think that's all we've got for today. Brandon, Matt, I appreciate you guys coming on, talking all things esports, a little bit about your personal lives as well. And I hope you guys take care and stay safe during this time. You too, man. It's been great. Well, Kevin, see ya. Take care.